is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. And Brooke Ward, you are. And Brooke, you are. Now here are your hosts, Brock Eward and Mike Salk. Why is Mike McDonald the new head coach of the Seahawks, Brock? I think we discussed it earlier. He brings a lot of the things that have been missing over the course of the last few years, and that's not atypical mm-hmm. for a hire. It's not atypical for an organization to look at some of the things they've been missing and try to fill some of those holes with the next hire. He is young, and that is obviously the easiest difference to spot. I don't know that that's the reason he got the job. I don't know that they wanted to go from 72 to 36 in particular, but it's hard not to see it. What I think I focused on a little bit more is how many people have just used the word smart. Mm. He's smart. He's smart. He's smart. Nobody said it more than Kyle Hamilton, who has played for him and had a heck of a year at safety for the Ravens this past year. Yeah, he's super cerebral. Really smart guy. Probably the smartest guy in the building. Um, don't tell him I said that. But, uh, you know, he's going to get everybody in the right spots, use everybody's best abilities and um, really just conforms to what we do best as a defense and as a team. And um, Great motivator. Uh, he lets the guys lead the room. It's just a bunch of great qualities for him. And whatever is coming in his future, he deserves it. I want to be clear. I'm not calling Pete Carroll not smart. Yep. But on the strengths and weaknesses for Pete, mm-hmm. I don't know that his biggest strength was his attention to detail. I don't know that his biggest strength was his ability to out-scheme some of the modern coordinators. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know that it's surprising that they've swung the pendulum in the other direction now. Yeah, and that's kind of what the league has done, too. I mean, just look around at this hiring cycle. The greatest coach in the history of this sport is on the sidelines. There were eight jobs open. He interviewed where? One, two, Belichick? Mm-hmm. I mean, the league just is, is you know, decided almost collectively. Gerard Mayo is unbelievably young. Dave Canales is unbelievably young. When it comes to, like, head coaching experience, Antonio Pierce was a, you know, had a, had a pretty good trial run for six, seven, eight games there with the Raiders. He's young. Mike McDonald is the youngest of them all. At age 36, this is the this is the direction. The Dan Quinns, the Mike Vrabels, the Bill Belichicks, the pelts on the wall, Salk. I've been there. I've done it. I, you know, I'm 50. I'm 60. I'm 70. The Pete Carrolls, when Pete Carroll gets let go here, he's 72. I think if, if one of these came clamoring and came calling and really wanted him, and, you know, maybe they could have yeah. pried him into so coaching. What, so why do you again. think that is? I, I could kind of come up with two things that stand out to me. Well, it's very similar to our politics in America. We've gone young. I mean, look at the, <laughs> look at the two that yeah. are going at it. Yeah, yeah we, we've over gone young in politics, yeah, for sure. I mean, over the next eight to nine months. Yes. Like, I mean, Trump and Biden, very similar very young. to yeah. so much of yeah. what we're seeing yeah. here. No, I don't think that's true. Uh, no. Um, I got two I got two reasons that, that right. jump out to me. One, why 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 are teams going young? Gen Z. Yep. It's a different generation. Yes, it is. And you know, that may be hard for you and I to process. We're still trying to figure out how to talk to millennials, but they've already skipped past that. Perfect. They're they're past the millennials. They're on to the next generation of Gen Z that communicates in a very different way. And that may be a whole lot easier with a 36-year-old Mike McDonald than it is with a 50-something-year-old whomever. So that, that may be a big part of it. The second one, and we talked about how that may have ultimately been some of Pete's undoing and some of Belichick's undoing. Mm-hmm. Guys who figured out how to speak to other generations but maybe struggled a little bit with their communication with the guys that are out there now. So that's one. Mm-hmm. 
The other, though, and this does seem to be a bit of a trend around the league, is it does seem to me that coordination is at such a premium that coaches and and because so many organizations have hired away the smartest coordinators Mm -hmm. to make them head coaches Mm -hmm. that the the people making those decisions on coaching hires are being forced to to do the same thing does that make sense a little bit i mean just the the supply and the pool of candidates that you're looking at i guess what i'm saying is and i said this earlier it's really too bad Pete Carroll didn't hire a Mike McDonald. Mm. It's really too bad that we're not getting Pete's ability to lead a culture combined with Mike McDonald's ability to mm-hmm. coach a yep. defense. Yep. And I think part of the reason, look, why couldn't Pete have found a guy like that? That's a Pete problem. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he couldn't do it over the last however many years, but that's a Pete problem. And it's a, it's, it's a massive failure on his part. I don't know how else to say it. But if you're now John Schneider and you're in these interviews and you're looking around, you're going, hey, all of the guys are just getting hired so young and so quickly who are smart that that you've got to just hire one as your head coach because yes. it's the only way to get that yes. kind of consistent coordination level. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's where the, the trend is going. I mean, look at even the, the, the recent years right before that. Mike McDaniels wearing joggers, you mm-hmm. know, and vaping on the sidelines down there in Miami. Like, <laughs> you know, he's got the cool, cool guy glasses like that. I mean, that's he, he's young. He's hip. D'Amico Ryans, you know, just this last year, 39, 38, 39. You know, he was playing not that long ago, and now he's leading Houston to the second round of the playoffs. I mean, this is where this is where the trend is going. The league, that's one thing that doesn't really change an awful lot, Salk, in my almost 30 years around it. Like, hey, man, this is this is where it's going. This is, you know, the copycat nature. This mm-hmm. is kind of where the trend is going, and, and you got to kind of jump aboard that, that train because that's where the supply is, and the supply right now is in these young, innovative minds. Now, you're a little different. Because you're doing it defensively like Houston did, or a guy with a defensive background, but I'm going to guess today, as he gets peppered with questions and John gets peppered with questions at the press conference in just a couple hours, it's not going to be no, no, no. We didn't hire a defensive guy. We hired the biggest brain we could and the smartest guy we could and most cerebral guy we could, who on paper and on tape, and when we played him, bashed our head in right in early November, late October there in Baltimore. And this is the guy that we want, as you said, making now these critical processes and decisions. A couple of notes uh, as we've uh, run through some of these names. Uh, Moore has been shooting these over to us here during the course of the show. Sounds like uh, Ajiro Avero is going to stay in Carolina. So he's going to remain the defense coordinator there. Uh, It sounds like the Carl Scott is going to stay here in Seattle, which is different from what we heard the other day. It sounded like he was going to go to Philadelphia, Mm -hmm. but it's uh, according to Matt Zenitz, he is not going to be leaving. He's going to be staying uh, yep, here. And he's got a little more, Carl did, a little more background in that Alabama mm-hmm. match coverage, some of the things that uh, that Mike certainly likes to do and pattern reading and matching, some of the things that didn't always get done really well at the highest level. But, yep, he's going to stick around. And then this one is from uh, Jordan Renan, who says, the plan is for Mike Kafka to return as Giants offensive coordinator next season per sources. Mm. He was a finalist for the Seahawks head coaching job. And uh, he's an ESPN NFL Nation reporter yeah. in so New York. So some of that might just be the the detail that, sorry, you know, like – 
you got a contract. You're not making a lateral move. You, those organizations have to let those guys loose, Salk, and let them out of their contracts. And ultimately, Carolina and New York may not have done that. Mm. Or Kafka may have decided that, yep, this is still going to be a better route for me to be here than it is there, or who knows. So some some of those details will follow. But ter- not terribly surprised by that. a lot of that. News. Busy morning, man. Not as busy as yesterday. Seahawks just waiting until we were off the air sure. to drop the news, of course. Came bombing out. Well, that, they love so. Stacey more than us. Let's be. I, don't, and, I, I was bump. saying earlier, I like that. I, I, I prefer to get some time to think sure. about it a little bit. And yeah. I thought Bump and Stacey. Especially was middle age, yesterday. like you and I are. When you're middle aged, you need a little yes. more time to process. But I was listening to them. They did a great job with it yesterday. I thought that was awesome. Well, so, they're used little, to it for crying out loud. A little right. bit of breaking news. Rappaport here. So, hmm. so the sources, the commanders have found their new head coach. Oh. Dan Quinn. Wow. Wow. Well, that will be interesting. Mm-hmm. I did talk to a, 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 a person yesterday who said, man, cool hire. They should come with Dan Quinn. Yeah. And, you know, I was saying like, hey, that's just not the way people here have been thinking for however mm-hmm. long now. It'll be interesting to, st- be a, to follow a, these two be programs. This will be Spoon and Jalen Carter. Kinda. Yeah, it'll yep. be a Patrick Queen and mm-hmm. Jordan Brooks. Yep. It will be one of those things you get to follow, the road not taken, mm-hmm. should they have gone in that uh, in that direction with Dan Quinn. Very interesting news, Justin. All right, that's one thing you need to know. we got at least three more coming up next. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, it was three weeks exactly to the day after they parted ways with Pete Carroll. The Seahawks have now hired his replacement. Mike McDonald has officially agreed to a six-year deal to be the next coach of the Seahawks. He's only 36 years old. He's the youngest coach in the NFL. He's half Pete Carroll's age. But apparently he is whip smart, pays attention to the details. Brock, he knows how to communicate as well. Important part of it. And Jody Allen uh, just this morning releasing a statement here saying we're very excited to welcome Mike to our team as head coach. He's demonstrated innovative and disciplined leadership and has a clear vision about what it takes to win. His record in Baltimore speaks for itself as does his commitment to a strong team culture, which is a hallmark of the Seattle. I can't help but read statements as being about people that are no longer here. And, you know, just as I I took the Russell Wilson comments when she last Mm -hmm. made a statement about that to to be about some of the things Russ was lacking, Mm -hmm. do you think that she thinks discipline was something that was missing here over the last few years? attention to detail and discipline and all of that. The culture is there. It's a culture built on unselfishness, and I'll get into that in one of my takeaways. The culture is there. But the attention to some of that detail, mm-hmm. being young, being innovative, being creative. Yeah, I think all buzzwords we're going to hear at the presser here in a couple hours. Here's the second thing you need to know. All right, so now that he's here, now what? There are so many decisions to be made. He's got to fill out an entire coaching staff. Not going to be easy. We just heard that Carl Scott will return in some sort of a senior defensive role. Mike Kafka will not be coming, nor will uh, Ijiro Evero. And so, who will? Uh, That's a great question. Brady Anderson on yesterday with Bump and Stacy had uh, at least one name as a defensive coordinator. Now, one name I've heard for defensive coordinator uh, for Seattle is Zachary Orr, who has been the Ravens' inside linebackers coach the past two seasons. Obviously, going from a position coach to a defensive coordinator would be 
a clear promotion. So I don't think there would be anything getting in the way of that move if he is indeed the guy that they want to hire. Yeah, and, you know, they're going to run the defense that Mike McDonald wants to run. He's in all likelihood going to call the plays. So, you know, what is the exact importance of it? Is it a minimized importance for a defensive coordinator? Yeah, I think so. I, I think, you know, it's it's somebody that not minimize in the sense that you don't want to grow him into being a D coordinator. And who knows, maybe even in time taking mm-hmm. those duties from Mike McDonald. But I would be shocked if he didn't come in here and call the shots. And, and the shots being what he knows, his baby. And that's the defensive yep. signals. That is his strength, his game planning, his game management. His, you know, it led to unparalleled success there in Baltimore the last couple years. So I think he will do that. The more telling question is going to be the offensive side of the ball. One of the names that Brady had mentioned was a guy that they interviewed twice, that being Mike Kafka, whose name got mentioned for Mm -hmm. the possibility of being the head coach. Looks like, according to reports, he's going to remain with the New York Giants, at least as of this morning. So filling in that side of the ball will be hypercritical. Yeah. Now, there's also some player personnel decisions to be made as well. What is he going to do with Geno Smith? He's got a couple of weeks to make that call. Do you want Bobby back? Do you want Jordan Brooks back? Do you want Leonard Williams back? They're all free agents. Can DK, what role will he play moving forward? All questions for him. And then how much does he want to reach back for his friends in Baltimore? They have Mm -hmm. 23 unrestricted free agents, including some really big names. Patrick Queen. We've spent a lot of time talking about him over the years. Safety, Geno Stone. Brock, you were saying yesterday they're going to need some help at safety. There are names on that on that roster that might fit very well here in Seattle. Here's the third thing you need to know. And then uh, in just two weeks, Brock, the pitchers and catchers are going to be in Peoria. See who's free and easy. Wow. Yeah. Two of the greatest words in all of sports, pitchers and catchers. Be looking forward to that. Um, Mitch Garver was uh, on the Hot Stove Show a couple nights ago. He's excited to be here in Seattle and explains why. It's a division that's within reach, right? You saw it last year, the Rangers. We might not have been the favorites to, to win the division. And obviously, we didn't win the division. But it's it's in reach. And this team has such a good pitching staff. I think that's that's kind of the center stone of of this team and this organization is the pitching that they're able to accumulate. Starting pitching is great. Back into the bullpen's great. There's been some really exciting additions on the lineup side. I played with Jorge Polanco. He's one of my one of my good friends, good teammates. He's a great player. Contact base has some pop. Plays a good second base. You know, Luke Rayleigh. I played with him too with the Twins. Great power, had an, had an incredible year last year. And uh, bringing back Mitch Hanniger, super exciting player to be around. And we're not even talking about the future MVP in Julio. He's kind of a, a nuisance to play against um, just because of how talented he is. But I'm super excited to be on his team because mm. the, the future is very bright for that man. Mitch Garver, by the way, turned 33 a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah? Yeah, three years younger than Mike McDonald. <laughs> but he's old and Mike McDonald is <laughs> yes. young. It's funny how things work. That's everything you need to know. Quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salk Show. By the way, is, Mitch Garver may uh, actually be taking over for Kevin Martinez uh, as the head of all marketing and communications for the Mariners. He's phenomenal. Yeah. Let, just since. let him sell the team. Nobody else should sell the team. Depoto, Service, <laughs> Kevin, Stanton. Everyone else be quiet and just let Mitch Garver talk for the Let's rest of the add year. Add him to our list of people we want to talk Sheesh, to. Sheesh. Let him. Know. He just sold everybody on this team. Got, got a little Depoto, too. Talking a little bit e- e- with, with ease. A little contact balance. Yeah. You know, mentioning. I mean, I sure hope these 30-somethings can do it, man. I, I hope some of these 30-somethings can just go out there and, and, I don't know, not even just play to their – 
you know, the back of their baseball card. Do a little more. Mitch Garver is that, does a little more. Polanco is that or does a little more. Mitch is that or does a little mm-hmm. bit more. I mean, the, the, the youth is the pitching. The youth is your young core. The youth is the battery up the middle with Julio and Cal. But, man, if these 30-somethings and some of these guys that you know have, have a track record can be that, this offense is going to be better than it was a year ago. What do you think of that statement about how Julio can be sort of, what did he say, irritating to play against? What was the phrase he just used at the end of that? How Julio can just be a little. He lost me a contact balance. Oh, you were know. done after I that? Done here, let that. me see. What did what did exactly did he say about Julio here? Well, and it looks like they're going to continue That's with that. obviously not it. Hold That's on. Let me get close. you that. Let me get you that Mitch Hanniger, or uh, Mitch Carver. Hold on. Had, had an incredible year last year. And uh, bringing back Mitch Hanniger, super exciting player to be around. And we're not even talking about the future MVP and Julio. He's kind of a, a nuisance to play against. He's the future MVP, and he's <laughs> yeah. a nuisance to play against. That's what you want to be. Right? I thought Javier was a nuisance. The, ah, a did, well, pain in the butt. maybe that's why we've seen in all of these little tiffs. Everyone's seen Julio does seem to be in the middle of all of them from the other team's perspective, yeah, right? The Hector Neris stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There seems to be a little nuisance element to Julio. So, when I you've like got that. emerald green eyes. Yeah. When you've got a body <laughs> like Adonis. Ensorcelled. When you run a four five. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how are you things. not a nuisance to right. so many others? Of course you are. Well, from one nuisance to another, I totally understand where he's coming <laughs> from. Coming up next, Brock has four major takeaways from the biggest news yesterday. It's Coming up next, I'm Brock and Salk. This, this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. I've just been uh, trying to focus while Heather sends me pictures of Gertie. Mm. Puppies are a lot, man. She's, mm. uh, she's a lot. She's fun. She got into it yesterday with a measuring cup. Mm. Yeah, it was full won? of food. Well, the measuring cup, I Tough would say, out here on these streets. Okay. Yeah, there's a measuring cup full of food. It's a metal measuring cup, and she uh, she pulled mm. that thing right over, dumped the food everywhere. Didn't eat any of the food. Yeah. Instead, got the measuring cup stuck on her snout, so she couldn't oh, really boy. see. Oh, yeah, it was a rough go, but oh, she's boy. getting there. She's figuring it out. She's uh, mm. she's quite the little character. Brock, uh, while I was home playing with Gertie yesterday, a little yes. uh, three month old Frenchie, yep. the Seahawks were making their moves. They finally made the decision to go with Mike McDonald. What did you take from it yesterday? Yeah, I got four takeaways. Before you fire that, real quickly though, more there is you know the the new the other news of the morning is Washington finally rounded out the the coaching vacancies. February first, mm-hmm. my gosh, did it take a lot of time for a bunch of these teams to to get to the guy they wanted? And ultimately, it was Dan Quinn. And we saw the picture of Dan Quinn at the airport there. It looked kind of sad as he was going through TSA and Washington and flying back to Dallas. And I think it's pretty clear. There's been multiple reports now that Washington approached Mike McDonald again. And Mike's like, yep, I'm on my way to Seattle. So I'm good. And, and Seattle got who they wanted. They wanted Mike McDonald. I think could have had Dan Quinn. And then ultimately the commanders go in that familiar direction. But this isn't about Dan Quinn. These takeaways, no, they're about Mike McDonald. Takeaways. We hit on this a little bit earlier in the show, Salt, but I just can't get away from it. Age matters. Youth matters. Relating to this generation of players matter. When Jim Harbaugh turned it around at Michigan, and remember, he got demoted, he got a pay cut, he nearly got fired at Ann Arbor, and when he turned it around, he turned it around by going to youth. Josh Gaddis and Mike McDonald and I at 60-something, Jim Harbaugh, realized and, and had the, the, the brain sulk mm-hmm. and the foresight to say, 
you know what? Maybe some of my messaging is getting a little bit lost here. Let me equip this team and this program with younger players, younger people that can relate to them and just be able to communicate. And as Jody Allen put out in her statement just moments ago, and I hope we get to see Jody at the presser today. I know she was down seeing Dame, Lil- Dame Lillard. Lillard. Right? Lillard. Dame Lillard. Lillard. Dame Lillard. Uh, down there in Portland, the Trailblazers game as he was back in town. Um, but, you know, talked about just that innovative and creative and processing and being able to communicate that message. Um, so I, I just can't get away. If you have, like, what, what's the number one thing that jumps out? P was 72. This dude's 36. He's 36. He's half his age. That pendulum couldn't, he's going to be the youngest in the league that, by the way, has a lot of young. That when I was playing last century and into this century, you know, a lot of gray hairs, a lot of 50s, a lot of 60s. You know, there, that was something to be celebrated, that experience, that wisdom. Bill Belichick gets one interview in Atlanta. Nobody else. Nobody else touches it. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, 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 I got a couple of thoughts on that. One, does Bill Belichick not get any more interviews because nobody wants him? Or because he prices himself out, he wants a certain amount of control, there are only a couple of places he can All go. those things that can't come with age and experience. I know, but yes, I mean, all of that is true. But I don't know whether I would say it's like a sign that people don't want Bill Belichick or an older coach. I also would love to know, you know, whether, because there's no doubt, it's hard to ignore the dichotomy of, on one hand, the oldest coach, on the other, the youngest. Yep. Do you think that's conscious decision to try to get younger or do you think that's co- total coincidence? Or do you think that maybe there's something in between where it's like, it wasn't that they set out to do that. No, I don't think they set out to do that. I don't think they said, we've got to hire the youngest guy and be the youngest. Right. And I think a big part of it is look at the supply. Look at the supply pipeline of who you interview. Mm-hmm. Look at Frank Smith. Look at Mike Kafka. I mean, Raheem Morris is middle-aged like you and I, Salk, and he was almost old in this hiring cycle. Look at over the last couple of years and McDaniel and McVeigh and... I mean, it's just D'Amico Ryan's probably the best comp, you know, to be to be quite honest, uh, of a guy that was young, that was leading a top defense. And and what did he do and how did he come in? And then he hired young too, Jonathan mm-hmm. Gannon last year. What did he do in Arizona? He hired even younger, mm-hmm. right? He's a 40-something that's got a 28-year-old defensive coordinator. So, yeah, man, this league is, you just can't deny the fact from a leadership standpoint, a head coaching standpoint, this league continues to get younger and younger. Takeaways. When it comes to scheme, a lot of conversation about it. A lot of the Seahawks Twitter, Salk, a lot of the phone calls you took this morning. Super excited, right? Super excited about all that this guy does schematically and his adjustments that he makes. Game in, game out, week in, week out. I talk a lot on broadcasts and have over the years about illusion of complexity. And I've done that largely on the offensive side of the ball. Mm -hmm. It's called an illusion of complexity. KJ and and us have had fun conversations for two years about defending Shanahan and defending McVay. And what makes it so hard is it all kind of looks the same, right? Gosh, you know, here's this formation and that formation, but but they're running the same plays. They make it look like there's so much volume. But when you boil it down, there's really an illusion of complexity. When you boil down Michigan's scheme with Mike McDonald, boil down Baltimore's scheme with Mike McDonald, there's some of the same. And I'll use KJ's anecdote yesterday with Jadavian Clowney. (laughs) If Jadavian Clowney can figure it out, then there must be a whole lot of illusion of complexity. 
and he makes it pretty simple for the guys to understand. Really hard for the opponent. I'm watching this tape, Salk, and man, is that cover four? Is that cover six? Is that cover one? Is that cover three? Is this a bare front? Is this an odd front? Is this an even front? Is this a, right? You're looking for all of these tails as an offensive guy, and they're making it look like it's really complex, but they obviously are able to teach it and teach it to their guys in a way to make it an illusion of complexity for you to deal with because their guys get it. Their guys get it, and he's gotten it. And and I'll tell you, and, and I hope this comes about at the press conference today, I think that year in Michigan was a big part of why he was ready for this job. Hmm. Why? Because he had to go into a situation very intense. Jim had to win. Mm-hmm. You know, at that point, he had not had success. He had not beaten Ohio State. Right. He's got to turn around. He's got to win. And then you've got to come in and you've got to teach Mike Zordich, my DB coach. I'm not firing him. I'm moving on from Don Brown. The deep, long-time defense coordinator, man-to-man coverage, press, pretty simple. There's no illusion there. It was pretty simple. And now you've got to come in in one year, and you got to teach these coaches. You don't get all your guys to bring along. You don't get 10 Ravens. <laughs> John gave me you. And you got to come in here, and you got to teach my coaches, who then got to teach our players, and then we got to go out and execute. And the numbers are astounding. The difference from the 2020 Michigan defense to the 21 defense, Salk. Something like 16 points a game better. One of the worst defenses in Michigan's history bounces back to being one of the best. And so that is, ability to go that, in there in that, that season. Is that X's and O's or is it communication? It's teaching. It's what Pete spent a lot of time on that Monday with you and I after mm-hmm. the season ended when he did not think he was going to be let go. He knew he'd had a fight on his hands. He knew what was brewing when he was going to meet with ownership. But do you remember that last oh, interview? Yeah. And how many times he talked about being a teacher? You know, we got to teach these guys. And I think and we it, be... he talked about it again with us during the interview we did with him after he got let go. The very last one. Yeah. Right? Really teaching and equipping these guys. And in order to do that, so you got to be able to teach and equip your coaches, who then they've got to have the wherewithal and the processing ability mm-hmm. to then go teach those players. And to do it, you know, in less time. So he went to the college game where you get 20 hours a week. I think that that one year in Ann Arbor was really big. And he did so well that his brother John said, okay, I'm going to move on from, from Wheat Martindale, a guy that I'm pretty comfortable with, that we've had a lot of success and won a lot of games. So I'm going to move on from a veteran guy, and I'm going to bring you back into the nest, and now you're ready to do it. And my gosh, have the numbers been astounding. The right. biggest one that I read in Blue 88, the more pressures – on the quarterback last year than any team in 20 years of pro football great. focus. That's pretty awesome. All right, let's keep going. Next. It's two. We got two to go. I got two more. I think that Raven and Harbaugh brand and influence and indoctrination matters. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, just as D'Amico Ryans was a wanted commodity because he'd come out of that John Lynch, Shanahan, San Fran tree, right, and had so much background there. You're talking about one of the most esteemed organizations in the last 20 years. KJ talked about that at length with us yesterday, right? And you talked about anybody in the league, and you say, okay, go ahead, put your Mount Rushmore of just top-notch organizations in the NFL over the last 20 years. Who, who are they? Where are they? Well, Seattle's up there. Mm-hmm. Top-notch, man. Mm-hmm. They've done it. The, the winds speak to that. The culture speaks to that. The way they go about their business speaks to that. The Steelers are in that conversation of consistency and continuity. 
Certainly Bill and everything he built in his dynasty in New England, though it's crumbled the last three, four years. Once Tom left, it took a step back. The Ravens, man, Ozzie Newsom built the foundation. Those that have followed Ozzie have continued it on. John Harbaugh has been an absolute rock of stability. I mean, it is a quality organization. And now you're coming out with also, again, that experience in Michigan with, with Jim Harbaugh, both the Harbaugh brothers. I think that's a pretty good place to be, I don't know, indoctrinated by your game of football. Yeah, it dawns on me that over the last five years, the Ravens have had the identity that Pete said he wanted. Yes. Right? Yes. And, and, the, Seah- line of scrimmage. and the Seahawks, unfortunately, Be did not. Impose your will. Yeah. It's hard. This game has gotten so hard for these organizations and these coaches. Well, KJ made it sound a whole lot easier. I mean, KJ was on there yesterday saying, what do you mean? Like, just go hit. At, when I was here in Seattle, I'm like, God, those guys are just negligent over there, just tackling, just going full speed, hitting each other, getting hurt all the time. What are they thinking? But when you look at ball, mm-hmm. when you look at the toughness that you need as a football team in December, in the playoffs, throughout the season, just pounding guys left and right, I believe when you do lay down that proper foundation in training camp, it pays off. I like when KJ goes preacher voice. Yeah, me too. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's meaningful. Yeah, one of Pete's comments, man, it just is seared in my mind from that final Monday. Not the finale, not the, the very last time we mm-hmm. chatted with Pete, but on that Monday where he said, we lost our edge. We've lost our edge at the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Baltimore's not. For 15, 16 years with John, right? You know, it's not like they've won every Super Bowl. They've won one. It's not like Lamar has seen playoff success. He has faltered and turned it over and struggled a little bit in those playoff environments. So it's by no means been a perfect. But as far as that, the line of scrimmage. And I'll go back to an executive in Detroit. And what what he said to me is you cannot ever compromise. And we, I think, over the last few years, have seen some of those compromises. Maybe even dating back to a Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham would have never been a Raven. Not a Raven. Sorry, we'll find somebody else, but you're not a Raven. Because you just don't you don't play the style and the game that we play. Yep. You'll play at the line of scrimmage. And and then as far as like what that looks like, Salk, big dudes, man. Big think of Baltimore's drafts on offense and on defense through the years. Think of their personnel. Mm-hmm. Think again of what he's been indoctrinated by and that brand and that philosophy that you don't waver, that you don't compromise. It is. They got a 280-pound fullback. They got massive, massive offensive linemen. <laughs> They're going to run right at you. Good. And I, and I think Mike McDonald, for, for John and this organization, it had to be incredibly appealing. Like, that's, that's what yeah. I know. That's what I want to draft. That's what won us a Super Bowl in the early They second. said they wanted to be for however long and just weren't. Yep. All right, one more. Takeaways. You and I both love Mr. Nordstrom. Over the years, seeing him at training camps and, and one of the original owners there, mm-hmm. the Seahawks, and, man, it's just in his blood, and he loves it. And so much, and I remember reading his great little book that he, that he did. And he talked about knowing the ask. Part of the reason at Nordstrom's that you started in the mailroom and you worked your way up was not just to say, oh, look at what we did. Look at, you know, he's one of us. No, it's as you worked your way through the process and into management, every step of the way, you learned what the ask was. When you're asking then in a position of management leadership, you're asking of others to do things, 
you know exactly what that's about. Right. Our program director knows exactly what it's about in every facet of this business. <laughs> he started as an intern to a board op, to a producer, to associate producer, to assistant program director. Like, he worked his way up. And when he asks something of you or me or Mora or Justin or a board op, guess what? Guess what? They all know he did it. And when you start as a GA at the very bottom and you had no playing experience and you had no favoritism and you had no background whatsoever, other than that Mark Rick to George is like, man, this, this whippersnapper is pretty smart. I kind of like him. Why don't you be a GA here? And then why don't you be an analyst? And then all of a sudden, like, ooh, the, Har the Harbaugh's find me. And I kind of like this guy. And we'll put him as an analyst. And then he'll be a secondary coach. And he'll be a linebacker coach. And then he'll be a defense coordinator. That dude knows the ask. Not too different than the one he spent five hours on a plane with in John Schneider. John Schneider called Ron Wolf up. Remember? Mm -hmm. I just want to be an intern. I, I just love football. I'm a small town Wisconsin kid. Let me let me get in the door. Can I whatever? And had to leave message after message after message. And, and I'm sure Ron Wolf's like, man, this guy is an irritant. So fine, I'll stop answering or listening to your messages. Okay, come here. Be a little scouting intern for us. And what did John have to do? The exact same thing this guy had to do. And there has to be appeal in that, Mike. Just in and when Jody's command to John is, hey, don't deviate from the Seahawk culture, right? The, what we have established. I think it's one that's built on lack of ego. Do you know how many, how irritating it is to me over the years, Salk, when I'll run into these coaches? Less of them, because they get washed out. But when you try to be a guru, ooh, I'm gonna try to brand myself. Ooh, I'm gonna be the pistol guy. I'm gonna be this this guy. I'm gonna be that guy. I'm gonna, I, I gotta do something to brand myself, to separate myself from others, to show how smart I am. Look how smart I am. You know, look at look at my look at my scheme. I've devised a new scheme. You know what drives Dave Wyman crazy? <laughs> All of these guys that try to come in and reinvent terms and reinvent it for their own selfish sake. It's like, no, that's cover two. Like you're not that smart. Okay, great. X nasty. That's you know we just call that tight formation. That's fine. But but if you need to label yourself as some guru to try to get ahead, and and you know what I think honestly. The guy in New York is fighting some of that, Robert Sala. He fought some of that. He he wanted some of that acclaim. He wanted to, to be known. He wanted his stuff to be out there. Mike McDonald, did one person in, in our building, other than me, just because of my background in college football, know Mike McDonald's name in August? If we would have said, hey, you know who's going to be the next head coach of the city? It's going to blow your mind. Prepare yourself. Yeah. On February 1st, you're going to spend an entire three hours talking about Mike McDonald. You've been like, who? Yeah. Is that Do you pitchers? <laughs> pitchers and catchers report two weeks from February 1st. Who, who was Mike McDonald? You didn't know him because he didn't care to have so, his name in lights. And I think that was incredibly appealing for John. So, yeah, I mean, I think that one kind of cuts both ways, right? On one hand, the whole know the ask thing works very well with the coaching staff, et cetera. Yep. On the other hand, you know, there's been a bit of a shift at times towards ex-players because of their ability to communicate and yep. have that same level of understanding, yep. which obviously he not only doesn't have at the pro level, doesn't even have it at the college level. Well, let me hear cut 10. Let me hear his old high yeah. school coach down there where he 
even before a GA, while he was in college, saw, gosh, I love that. Well, he's a college student. Mm-hmm. Let me go help at this high school and learn a little this something is, about uh, football. Zarvia Smith, who was on yesterday with Wyman and Bob. Well, the first thing goes back to, once again, how intelligent he is. And I think that, uh, you know, something we used to always talk about back in the day was make sure, number one, you know, you talk about communication skills. But first, you got to love your players and they got to love you. So we always talked about we got to get the players to love each other and love and they got to love you and trust you. So for Mike to not have played, basically didn't play a senior year, didn't play in college, didn't play in the NFL, it shows you that he's a master communicator. He That if he's able to go in that room and, and, and grab those NFL players and get them to believe and trust and to love one another. And, you know, he's got to love them. And I think that that's where the real communication is. That those guys have got to trust and love one another. And that's what he does a great job of doing. Those guys are all coming together and they're playing for one another and loving one another. Reached out to a few players and coaches yesterday, Salk. It's a little hard. I was hoping to get him as a guest. I'm like, oh, that's right. He's employed by the other team. Oh, that's right. He's going to be an impending free agent. Oh, that's right. Probably can't come on. But, you know, their, their comments echoed that completely. And one of them who coached with him a long time in Baltimore said, great guy, great football coach, great teacher. Again, that ability, it just it resonates through and through with everybody. All Kyle Van Noy yesterday, man, was it an onslaught in the social media world from players and coaches and guys that work for him that just were like so happy that he's going to get this opportunity. And, and I'm sure as we talk to many football people, Salk, over the next few weeks and we get into the combine and all of that, you're also going to hear, yeah, that's a good partner for John. That's a good partner. I know DJ, you know, Daniel Jeremiah, when he joined us last week and he, he kind of – Spoke our language a little bit about Mike Rabel. Like, yep, that's a great football coach, and that would be a great partner for John Schneider. I think you're going to start to hear some of that at the Combine as people are around these two, as they're in that building, working tirelessly, playing catch-up, putting the staff together, putting boards together, putting free agents together. I think you're also going to hear this is a pretty good partner for John because John's the same way, Hmm. egoless, pretty darn humble, did not come from a last name that gave him any favors whatsoever in the league and just had to build that rapport, build that trust, build that love with people in relationship, that connective tissue that I love to talk about. Got a lot of it. And man, did you feel it in the social media realms yesterday when, and you even got it on your text. Look at you, cool guy. You were texting Baltimore Ravens mm-hmm. players, man. You're so connected. I am very connected. Yes. So connected. Deeply connected <laughs> in the Ravens community. I did manage to find a couple of numbers though yesterday uh-huh. and, and did get some similar sentiment back from a Ravens player. It was like, yeah, he's a great coach. And I said, you want to come on? He's like, no, I got nothing else to say. Cause he's not my coach anymore. <laughs> I, was like, I okay. love that response. Yeah. Yeah, I can uh, read it to you. It's pretty no, funny. Yeah, yeah no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. These, yep. these I'm are in funny. Cancun. I'm fine. I won't tell you who it is because I think that would be obviously a betrayal of mm-hmm. uh, of confidence. But I said, uh, yeah, hey, you want to come on tomorrow with me and Brock? Mike's a great coach. All I got. It's okay. <laughs> How about talking about it for five minutes at 730? <laughs> Quote, that's not my coach no more. <laughs> I'm not speaking on him. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I tried to get a former Husky, mm. uh, a former QB, uh, play may play for the team that mm. Justin Barnes loves a lot. Oh, oh, sure, and, yeah, yeah. And, like, and likewise, I think he's an impending free agent. But he did tell me uh, that guy. So impending McDonald's, free agents can't talk. I mean, they can. Why but not? I, th- I think many times their agents are like, yeah, probably no upside to you saying know? how much you loved your former defensive coordinator. Who cares? Well, he didn't, no, he, he didn't play for him. He didn't play for him. Oh, all right. Well, but how about some of the, him. like, okay, what about, like, yeah. uh, some of the impending free agents from the Ravens? Sure. Because they got a lot of them. Yes, they do. You like any of these guys? I, maybe I'll take the next segment here to kind of dig mm. into that. But mm. 
I'm but anyhow, let me just list. let me just say Sheesh, I, I, players I, on there. I don't think he mind me quoting him at the end of it. Uh, yeah, McDonald, great coach. He kicked my bleep. <laughs> so, <laughs> which he did many of those over the course of this season, man. Pretty pretty darn. Well, good if stuff. it's an ex Husky quarterback, the only thing I can guess is that his name is Jake or Jacob. Yeah, maybe. There, maybe. There's like thirty uh-huh. of them, so that doesn't uh-huh. like pretty narrow safe. it down yeah. or anything. Yeah. But just to just to make a safe guess, yep. it could have been Jake Hayner. It could have been Jake uh, Browning. It could have been Jacob Eason. Root for. Oh, yeah, yeah. When I was the last part. time, by the way, Mora? <laughs> he wasn't listening. Mora, well, Justin. So I've been listening the, for the last half hour. <laughs> <laughs> That's not nice. Is takeaways done? Are we done with takeaways? Oh, What's you, going on now? And huh? you wonder why Howdy put birthday messages like the one he put together for Heather. No, I haven't been listening since wonder. then. You guys played that obnoxious message yeah. and, you know, ruined my day. By the way, so, I didn't you know. know what it was going to be. I said there's yeah, a Howdy did. Heather birthday message. You knew. Message you knew the moment it? it was Howdy that it was some nasty shot at me by the from way, that little hobbit. Betsy was Betsy's me. driving to work and just texted me. He's like, I'm pretty sure I was just drove next to Heather on the freeway. So oh, yeah? maybe oh, she was listening. Very much could have been. Yeah, absolutely. Did she see Gertie next door? Heather. Oh, that's a good question. I didn't ask. Dropped the girls off at school and uh, had Gertie next to her in the car. So. Should there be any level of concern? This is for Maura and Justin, too. Should, should there be any level of concern that it almost feels like consensus? Yes. Was every call at 6.30 nothing but fun? When, when was the last time when Pete was hired, there was not <laughs> anywhere near this kind of overjoy and like, oh, my gosh, they got exactly well, Brock, what they wanted. The reason I, yeah, first of all, the answer, yes, that should be concerning. But the biggest reason why is that there's so much consensus over a guy that most people wouldn't be able to pick right. out of a lineup. Right. But I think while there is some excitement for him, because all we have to go off of is how good last year was, there's also just the excitement of something new. We, we felt yeah. like we saw so true. much of yes. the same defensive problems for the last however yep. many years and also some offensive problems, and we're just excited to see you, something you, new. You also yes. brought up politics earlier, Brock. And I did? Yes. There is, oh. a, there is a view. Where? There is a view in politics that if you've been around for a long time, if you've been in the Senate for a long time, mm-hmm. you've been in Congress for a long time, and you've got a you know a long voting record, <laughs> a long history, uh-huh. there's a lot of positives and a lot of negatives. Yeah, there's right? a lot of sentiment of being a college quarterback and playing one year of great football, and then all of a sudden you play two, that's right. three, and you get injured, you that, get some that, Oh, well, you voted oh, for yeah. this, but then you didn't vote for that. And, then you, right. and, and, and sometimes there's good reasons for it, and they get twisted, and this and that. But there is an advantage to not having all of that resume. This guy's resume is short. It's very short. He hadn't been around that long. He's only 36 years old. And I think that is part of the reason for the optimism. He didn't make a key mistake here. He didn't, you know, piss off somebody there. He hasn't had time to do some (laughs) of those things yet. And so right now he's all potential, which is awesome. And I'm fired up just like everybody else is. But should there be a little concern that we're 100%? Yeah, probably. Because we don't really know what we're getting ourselves into yet. I think we're all pretty excited to find out. All right. The one thing we do know is that he's been in Baltimore for the last few years. Who's he bringing with him, Brock? They always bring somebody. Mm. Mm. Who do you want him to carry with him from Baltimore here to Seattle? It's next on Brock and Salk.